I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. We've been looking at Romans 5, 1 through 11. I'm going to focus in on verses uh, 3, 4, and 5 today. So I'm going to read 1 through 5. Let us give ear to God's inspired, inerrant, holy word. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. Well, I've started uh, exercising here recently and uh, walking a lot, uh, especially not running, I don't really, uh, I'm not really in shape to run very much, but I've been building up. And last year, about this time, of course, it just happened recently, about two weeks ago, there's a a 5K that the high school puts on, or I guess the school system puts on here in Biloxi, and I was able to run it the last two years, and so I've recorded my time, and I've been building up and building up and thought, okay, this was about, I don't know, Tuesday or so, I thought, you know, I'm gonna, I've been marked out a, a 5K right around here, uh, around the neighborhood. And so I'd been walking it and walking it and decided, okay, today is the day I'm going to break my record, my 5K record. So I set out. And, man, I was doing pretty well for the first mile, uh, and then it became a real struggle. And so I, I walked a little bit, kind of caught my breath, and then... then I, I started running a little bit more and then stopped and started and stopped. But then it became... Uh, about the third mile, just let me get to the next driveway. When I started running, I just would like to get from one driveway to the next, then I could walk the, to the next driveway, and then I just had to have a goal in mind. I would all be right down here at the beach, and I would see the end of White Avenue, and I would just say, just get to the end, and then you can walk up that hill of White Avenue, and then you can start running again. But continuously had to tell myself to, to just get to that point so that I would keep on going and, and would endure. Well, I missed my record by a minute, but I'll live again to fight another day. Um, in our study of Romans 5, we have encountered a few results of justification. What, what is the result of being made right with God through Christ by putting your trust in Him? And we have seen that uh, when a person is justified by Christ, they have peace with God instead of enmity with God. They have access and standing, a relationship with God instead of alienation from God. And we have seen that they have a sure and future hope in which they rejoice. Now today we come to a fourth uh, thing, a fourth result of justification. And it seems a little odd because it is rejoicing in suffering. We rejoice in our sufferings, Paul says there in verse 3. 
Now the word here for sufferings is a very specific word. It's not referring to what we would sometimes call the the trials and tribulations of just being a human on earth, uh, living in a broken world, meaning our aches and pains, our fears and frustrations, our deprivations and disappointments. No, this particular word literally means pressure or to be squeezed. And so it's referring to and used throughout the New Testament to talk to speak of the opposition and persecution of a hostile world to those who follow Christ. It's the way the world treats those who follow Jesus. This tribulation, affliction, or suffering from the world can take many forms. Uh, we, we can see it in just opposition of, of, of the world, just being at odds with the way the world is going. We see it as well in discrimination. There might be discrimination against believers, slander, verbal abuse, uh, even physical abuse, even death. These are all subsumed under the term tribulation or sufferings as it is used here. Rejoicing in suffering is, sounds very odd. Who, who would rejoice in sufferings? Now what Paul means here, he, he doesn't mean that we throw a party anytime we are persecuted for Christ's sake. We're not laughing while we're suffering like some masochists. Now look at what Paul talks a lot about it, uh, undergoing trials and tribulations for, for following Jesus. And in uh, 2 Corinthians 7 he says, uh, even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. And then 2 Corinthians 4, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. You notice that in his tribulations, Paul, he had fear within. You know, we talk about rejoicing, but he had fear. And he speaks a lot of, being well, he speaks here in Second Corinthians four of being perplexed. He was he was he reached a time when he was just at a loss, confused about what was happening to him. And he speaks a lot of being comfort in the midst of trials, which means he felt uncomfortable in the experience of them. You see, so rejoicing in suffering doesn't mean that when you're enduring suffering, when you're going through suffering, that you just are like, this is great, you know, I'm really enjoying this. This is fantastic. No. no. Because Paul was perplexed. He was uncomfortable. He was, he was suffering. He was truly going through difficult things. He was afraid at times. But we have to understand the context of what he is saying here. Uh, what does it mean to rejoice in our sufferings? Now, we've been saying all along that he's telling us here about the results of justification. We... Justification means we are saved by Christ's work, by Christ's death and resurrection. Christ has done all the work to save us. He has, he has kept the law on our behalf. He has paid the penalty for sin on our behalf. And when we put our trust in him, we are declared righteous before God. We are justified. We are accepted by God. We are adopted into his family and we belong to him. We receive it as a free gift by faith, putting our 
the trust for our entire life completely in Christ's hands. And it's a one-time declaration. We have this new status, a new identity. We belong to, to the Lord. And this new status or identity as belonging to Christ, it reorients our entire life. We're, we're new creations, Paul says in 2 Corinthians. And the call to Christ's people is to deny yourself daily, take up your cross, and follow him. Go wherever he leads. Well, Christ took up his cross, an instrument of suffering, and he carried it to death. But through that death came his resurrection, new life and glorification. Those united by faith to Christ go where he went. They endure suffering and in the end are raised to new life, glorified bodies in the new world, the new creation that the choir sang about, where sin and death are no more present. That ultimate destination is the hope the justified rejoice in that is spoken of there in verse 2. But he then speaks of rejoicing and suffering because we understand, not that we're happy about it, not that it's not difficult, but we understand that the suffering that we endure as believers serves and strengthens the hope that we have while we travel through our pilgrimage in this life. Paul says we rejoice in tribulations, not because they're fun, but because the believer understands that there's a divine rationale behind the trials of the Christian life. They serve a divine purpose. God has a, a plan and a purpose behind them. The salvation Christ secures reorients our understanding and our attitudes towards tribulation. So we can look at our trials and tribulations and we can not enjoy them, but we can rejoice in the fact that they're speaking to us of a future hope, that we're, we're going to enjoy one day, but the path to that glory is through suffering. And we also understand that God uses these trials and tribulations of life while we're going through this life to cause us to mature and to grow as believers. And that's my two points today. Uh, tribulation, first of all, leads to glory. Point one and then point two. Tribulation also leads to maturity. Well, let's explore that for just uh, a moment. First of all, Jesus said in John 16, talking about tribulation leading to glory, he said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Jesus said you will have tribulation. It's the same word that Paul uses here. You will... You will be persecuted for your faith. You will, have, you will be at odds with the world. When Paul and Barnabas were uh, going back to the churches that they had helped start, they went back to them and strengthened the, them, strengthened the souls of the disciples, encouraged them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Paul told the Thessalonians in his letter, first letter to them that believers are destined for afflictions or tribulations. 
It shouldn't be a, a surprise to the Christian that this life is fraught with difficulty for following Jesus. And then later in the book of Romans, Paul says this amazing statement. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. If, some, some uh, translations say, if we suffer with him in order. So there's a condition there. And what it means is that if we are Christ, if we are following him, we will face the opposition of the world. But we will also be glorified with him. Well, the question is, in light of this, the fact that if you are a believer, you will suffer uh, tribulation. Do you face tribulation in your life for the cause of Christ? Now, tribulation comes to the believer because identifying with Christ puts you at odds with the world. Though it's becoming less so, our, uh, we here in America do not experience uh, the persecution like the early disciples did. You know, think, of, think of the Apostle Paul. He was stoned and left for dead and you know, went through all kinds of trials and imprisonment, etc., etc. His life was constantly in danger. Um, we don't, we don't go through that here in the United States or like people living in other parts of the world, in the Middle East or in certain parts of Africa or, or in China. Partly because our nation has been strongly influenced by Christianity and is still relatively friendly to it. But we, at least as Christians, should be living lives following the Lord Jesus that will put us at odds with the rest of society. If you think about that, you know, the, the, the trends in our society are moving away from Christianity. Uh, when I was younger, there were no sports on Sundays. And now that's one of the main days for, for people to be participating in sports. Well, as Christians, we're called to, to, to honor the Sabbath day, to not blow off church so our kids can play travel baseball or soccer or whatever the case might be. And when you say, you know, we can't participate on a Sunday, that puts you at odds with the world. And it's uncomfortable. And people look at you and think you're crazy or worse. Uh, if you think about uh, our attitude towards same-sex marriage, um, you know, we follow what the Bible says about these matters, and that puts us at odds with the world. Um, moderation is called for Christians to, you know, be moderate in what we eat or drink. You know, every moderate Mardi Gras, we're invited to the balls and to, you know, to blow it out with everybody else. But as Christians, we're supposed to be moderate in our in our use of these things. These are just a couple of examples. We could go on and on, but the call to follow Christ and to be faithful to Him and His ways will put us at least at odds with the world, and we will have to make some difficult decisions and that's going to be increasingly so and then one day if we continue down this trend there will be more verbal abuse and then physical abuse and then one day if it continues on people will be put to death for these views this is the baseline the base level 
what we're talking about here in America. This is the base level of what it means to, to in, endure tribulation because you are following Christ. It goes from there. Jesus said, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. If you have never experienced the hatred of the world, then possibly you're too much like the world. And the world doesn't hate you because they can't see the difference. And you need to reassess your relationship to Christ. Well, if you say, well, I only have Christian friends and I only hang out with Christians and and I'm not tempted in, in all these ways. Well, then again, you're not being salt and light. You need to be engaging other believers, I mean, other, non, other non-believers to share Christ with them and, and be out in the world. But doing that will put you in conflict with the world. The road we travel as those who are journeying on this pilgrimage following Christ is fraught with peril, but there is eternal glory at the end of it. When the justified person encounters opposition... What Paul is saying is they should understand that it is part of what it means to follow Jesus. And Paul said, this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So, tribulation is the pathway, is is what leads to glory. If we're on that road to glory, we will encounter tribulation. We shouldn't be surprised by that. But also, secondly... Tribulations lead to maturity. Paul is especially uh, focusing in on this when he says, knowing that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. See, it gets right back to that hope that he talks about in verse 2. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So first, he says, suffering produces perseverance or endurance. That's what the word means. Um, You you can't learn endurance uh, unless there's something uh, to uh, oppose you. You know, you have to to overcome something. So suffering uh, breeds endurance service. When we go through a difficult thing uh, and we suffer, we're building up our endurance. Just like me running. Uh, if I don't go out and run and face the, the suffering that I endure as I pound the pavement and suffer the, you know, the breathlessness and all that, I'll never build up my endurance. The same is true in the spiritual life. These sufferings God brings into our lives, these tribulations, to help us endure and to last. He that endures to the end will be saved. If you think about the parable of the four soils that Jesus talked about, the first one, uh, the the seed, the gospel goes forth like a farmer sowing seed and the bird comes and snatches away. Those are the people who never really hear the gospel. They they don't really pay attention to it. The second group are the ones that are are amongst the the thorns and the weeds and and they get choked up by the cares of life. You know, they, they like the gospel for a while, but... You know, the the things that the world offers, they would rather have those things. But then the third group, they're the ones who are on the rocky soil. They don't have deep roots, and when trouble or persecution comes, uh, the sun beats down, uh, as Jesus illustrates, 
they shrivel up, they die. They don't endure. And then the fourth, of course, is the one who puts their roots down into Christ and grows and becomes stronger and, and endures to the very end. Suffering produces endurance. We must endure to show the genuineness of our faith. And that's leading us to the next phrase. Perseverance produces character. Now we need to explain that word character a little bit more because it's not just it makes you a better person. That word character, and if you're looking at maybe the New American Standard, it says proven character. The word there is used uh, in references to metals most of the time to prove uh, what type of metal something is. Uh, or to test a metal to see exactly what type of metal it is. Um, it's a, a testing, an examination uh, 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 to show the genuineness of something, the certification of something. So the person who has gone through suffering and endured has been tested and tried and shown to be genuine. They have, they have uh, proven character. They are the genuine deal. They are truly believers. If they are following Christ... They face the opposition of the world. They endure through it. They are certified. There's a certification and a confidence that comes with that. Yes, I am willing to, to do anything for Christ. It shows that, that I truly believe it. I, I, my faith is real. And so that character that is produced, produced by perseverance leads to the next thing. Character uh, produces hope. See? Yes, I am a believer. And what happens, what happens to believers? They have a hope, uh, something at the end of this race, something through uh, at the end of all these things that we're enduring in this, this journey that we're taking. We're going to make it to the end, and God has something wonderful for us. Character produces hope, and God is faithful. He can be relied on for the future. Now, when you go through difficulties in your life, uh, especially um, when you face uh, tribulation? Do you get angry at God? That's a typical response. Why, God? Why, why is this happening to me? Uh, or maybe you get angry at yourself. Well, I must be doing something wrong for God to treat me like this. Because if you believe that about yourself, or if that's your response, then you've got some bad theology. Like Job's friends. You remember Job's friends? Job's friends came to Job. Job suffered because he was a righteous person. And Job's friends came and said, the reason you're suffering, you must have sinned. Because they believed two things. They believed that God would never cause someone to suffer uh, or allow someone to suffer. And they also believed that the only reason someone would suffer is because they had not followed God faithfully. And they're reaping what they've sown. Anyone who thinks that way is not really understanding the gospel. See, Paul is talking about the results of justification. We are secure. We are Christ. We have peace with God. He's, no, he's not against us. He, he has invited us into a relationship with himself. We have access to God. Uh, we have a relationship with God. And he's got wonderful things in store for us, things that we can't even, even imagine. And all these things that we're going through are to prepare us for that wonderful day. Hopefully that's a comfort, a perspective changer for you as you 
seek to be faithful to the Lord in your Christian walk. But know this, that even through the trials, you're not alone. Christ is with you. Uh, the Holy Spirit has been given to us in our hearts, Paul says. It reminds me of the story of, of Daniel, um, I'm sorry, of Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, they wouldn't bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's idol, and so they were thrown in the fiery furnace. And it says in uh, Daniel, These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. When we go through troubles and trials and tribulations for our faith, Christ is with us in the furnace. Well, the Christian life is like a race. You know, we're struggling along. Uh, we are enduring in it, hopefully, keeping on going, and keeping in our mind's eye the goal, the prize. For me, it's one driveway further. But for us as believers, Christ stands at the end, and he's holding the prize for us. So we must go forward. Keep pressing on. Don't give up. Don't faint. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this encouragement and help us to have a proper perspective of the trials that we go through. Lord, thank you that you care so much about us that uh, you are fitting us for heaven. You're, you're helping us to become stronger and more like Christ in our lives. And sometimes that's very uncomfortable. And sometimes it's scary. And sometimes it's perplexing. But Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand the end goal, uh, what you're doing for us and in us, to keep our eyes on the prize. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to endure to the end. And Lord, if we are, uh, have, have been fooling ourselves and playing the religion game, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to become true followers of Christ, to take up our cross daily, deny ourselves, and follow him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.